0: Well, good morning, everybody feeling good about being in the house of the Lord? Amen, amen. We want to welcome all of you from online. We want you to open your hearts to the Lord, and I believe God has a word for us this morning. You ready for that word? All right, when the odds are against you, let me ask you something. Have you ever considered why you're here on this earth at this time, this day, this hour? A lot of times we look at past generations and and we think, oh, I wish I was living in that generation. Oh, to go back to the 60s or the 50s where kids played out in the street and they they knew that when the sun went down, you better get home. Have you ever wondered why you're here? Why God intended for you and I to be here at this time in this earth, in this city, in this church, in this community? And the problem is that many of us go through life not knowing that God has a purpose for our life, that there's a reason. We're We're not here yet to take up time and space. We're here because God has planned something. So let me ask you, what is your purpose in life? Why are you here on this earth right now? As an individual, why are we here as a church? Why are you here as a family, as a mom, a dad, a son, or a daughter, an aunt, or a cousin? Why is this nation here at this time in our world? You see, the thing is that there has to be a sense of purpose that moves you and I. If you don't have purpose in your life, you're wasting time. I think it's time that you and I seek the Lord for a purpose There's a reason we're here, and there has to be a sense of purpose for us to be able to move on. You see, it's that purpose that turns ordinary people into winners, and that means that when you find that purpose, it means that you got to be willing to take a risk. you got to have the courage and sacrifice to do what God has called you and God's purpose in your life. And when it comes down to it, there's only one reason God has purposed you and I to be here. Our purpose is to live for God and to let others know and see Christ in our lives. But I'm here to tell you, I got good news for you. That the day you find that purpose, you better get ready because your purpose is going to come under a constant attack of the enemy. The devil is going to do anything he can to derail God's plan and God's purpose in your life. And I want us to look at a story in 1 Samuel 17. Because it begins to reveal to us that David was a man of purpose. Something was burning in David's spirit. And if you're going to make it, you must understand that God has a purpose for us on this earth. But there's going to be Giants, there's going to be things that are coming to your life that are going to try to hinder that purpose and derail you and make you feel like you're wasting your time. So how then, the question has to be asked, how then do you succeed in the face of the attacks of the enemy? Because you're going to get attacked. How how are you going to overcome the voices of defeat that tell you you're not worth God's best? And I'm gonna tell you, there are some of you here this morning that you're going through that right now. The devil is telling you, you're not worth what God has for you. You screwed up so many times. You did this, that, and the other, and the devil is telling you you're not worthy of what God has. You go to church all you want, but you're not gonna achieve it because you're not worthy. And there's five things that I wanna share with you this morning. That I hope that God will help you as you move ahead and find your purpose and lean on it and grab it and do not let it go, no matter what the devil tells you, no matter what he throws at you, you're going to succeed because that's God's purpose and plan for your life. Here's number one. Have clarity of mind. The problem with us is that we have we, our minds are all fogged up. You know what we do? We rent space in our mind to the devil. Quit renting space in your mind to the devil. Some of you put a, a for rent sign in your brain. The devil's in there. Speaking to you. Defeating you. Talking to you. Challenge you. Every time you're going to do something good. No, uh, you can't do that. You're not going to make it. You see, confused thinking produces confused actions. And if you're you trying to find the purposes of God and you're confused you're not going to produce anything worthwhile. And when you look at the life of David, David had a clear view of the issues. David was a realist. And at this point in the story, David had been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the king of Israel. But he had yet it'd be 20 years from this point that he would assume the throne. He is now a, still a teenager with freckles and pimples on his face. And his father sends him to take food to his brothers who were in the middle of a battle in a valley. On one side it was Israel, and on the other side was the Palestinians. And he said, take this food to your brothers that they may eat. And when David gets there, and he hears the roar of Goliath threatening the armies of God, cursing God, the God of Israel, and he sees the fear that has gripped the heart's Of all of the Israeli soldiers. Something jumped up into David's spirit. That said wait a minute. You see David saw the issues immediately. Because he had a clear mind. And the issues were that Goliath was blaspheming God. The issue was Goliath was belittling Israel. The issue was that Goliath was threatening to enslave all of Israel. And something burned within David and David knew that Israel had to be saved. He knew that other nations had to know that there was a God in Israel and Israel needed to be reminded that the battle was the Lord's and David's purpose was to kill Goliath. Do the brother in. That was his purpose. So let me ask you, what are the issues in your life Think about it. Let's get real this morning. What are the issues in your life? You walked in here this morning and you probably shook hands with a lot of people and or maybe not, you're still half asleep. And you smile and you do love the Lord. But the truth is that you know that there's issues in your life. You're dealing with stuff in your life that maybe nobody knows about. We're not dealing with condemning anybody. Let's be real. You're dealing with issues. You're dealing with situations that the devil's telling you you can't make it. It ain't gonna happen for you. It just can't because you're not worthy. You can't because this is what you did. Remember how you lived? Remember the years you spent in the prison? Remember the years you spent doing drugs and drinking? Remember the divorce you went through? Remember all the junk you've been doing, what you did last night? What are, you, what are your issues? How realistic are you going to be with the issues you're facing in your life? Regardless if it's your job, your marriage, your school, it could be that you got a bad report from the doctor. Whose report are you going to believe? The report of the Lord or the report of the doctor? Who is your healer, the doctor or Jesus? You're going to let the enemy destroy your finances? Is there spiritual deadness in you? You got saved and it was fun and full of joy and you were excited. And because the life has become so busy that all of a sudden the fire of the Holy Spirit is burned out, or burned away in you. And you're kind of going through the motions and you want to get back to where you were. Well, then it's time for you to realize what that that's an issue in your life. Because let me tell you what John ten ten says In the living Bible, the the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. That's what God has for you and I. That's the promise of the Lord. But he said, be careful because his job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy that which I want to do in your life. See, we know what Satan's up to. He wants us to live with dead faith. He wants us to live with dead hope. He wants us to live with dead purpose. He doesn't care. Satan doesn't mind that you and I come to church. He doesn't mind you and I get up there and do some lip service and sing and raise our hands and clap. He doesn't mind that you belong to a surf team. He doesn't mind you coming to church as long as there's no spiritual transformation taking place in your life. He doesn't want God to change your life. Just be a spiritual zombie. You walk in, you walk out, and next week you come back, and nothing from week to week is changing our lives. Let me tell you, that's happened to me too. It's not only you. Claim that you're a Christian. Be a good person as long as nothing changes in your life for the good. And too many Christians have no sense of purpose. There's no clarity of mind. Confusion has become the order of the day. Satan desires to kill everything that is like God inside of you and I. He is constantly at work to kill your body, your family, your finances, your joy, your peace, your activity, your responsibility to your family, to your local church, to that which God has entrusted you with. I got a little news bulletin. For everybody here. Satan has targeted everybody in this building. He has a bullseye on your back. Don't you be fooled. He has targeted every one of us for a major crisis in our lives. Because that's how he operates. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, so be careful. If you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. Just when you think you're standing, you better be careful because the devil has got a target on you and I to, have to destroy everything that God wants to do in our lives. He desires to establish a satanic stronghold in our lives. A sense of purpose will help to confront those giants and bring them down and defeat them in the name of Jesus that we can live a life of victory and a life of purpose in Christ Jesus. You see, that's spiritual warfare. So we go back to Samuel 1 Samuel 17. David is standing there in that valley and he's looking around. While everybody was in fear, David had a purpose. David knew exactly what God sent him there. He's a teenage boy, probably 17 years of age. And it says, then David said to the To the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Oh, I like that. Man, I'll cut your head off, brother. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And and he said that the whole earth may know that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Columbus, Mississippi. There is a God in this church. There is a God in your life. Let's stand up and claim victory in the name of Jesus. You see, these verses show us that David had a, a very clear understanding of his purpose. If victory was to come and God was to be glorified, Goliath had to come down and be defeated. So we must have clarity of mind and purpose in order to defeat the enemy. See the issues clearly. What are the don't deny the facts: the good, the bad, and the ugly. One of the things that I've had to do through all my life is to be realistic because a lack of reality will destroy your life. The devil will eat you up alive. Number two, ask God for Holy Spirit passion. David was bold with passion. He didn't move by intellectual reason, but by the Holy Spirit passion that burned within him. He passionately ran into the heat of the battle. David didn't walk around going, "Oh my God," was going. No, he he got there. He said, "Well, wait a minute, what's going on here? What you talking about, my God, like that? You say what about God? You say you're going to do what to God's people? No way, Jose." Now, the guy was a Mexican. I want you to know that. (laughs) That was politically incorrect, and I enjoyed every bit of it. (laughs) But David had passion. He passionately confronted the giant. He knew that God would bring Goliath down, not by David's own power and ability. David wasn't there by his own power. Remember, David was a sheep, took care of a shepherd. He was a little shepherd, but let me tell you what happened. The Bible if you read the life of David the Bible says that when David was taking care of his sheep he'd get up before the night watches and he'd take his little harp and he would sing before the Lord. David developed a relationship with God. David began to speak to God and when a lion came to take one of his sheep God gave him the power to tear him apart. When a bear came to destroy his sheep he destroyed he already he already had experience in defeating enemies. Because in his quiet time, he wasn't watching television. He was speaking to God. He was singing to God. He was letting God feed him through his spirit. And when he stood before Goliath, he had that Holy Ghost passion in him. He was ready for battle. In the meantime, David's older brothers were hiding with fear. And God is not going to accept a passive attitude when Holy Spirit, passion, and action is what it's needed to defeat the the devil. God has very little tolerance for casual Christianity or a complacent Christianity. And America is in that place. America has become a nation of Christian, complacent Christians who are going around with all the trimmings of Christianity, but their power has gone. There's no power. We need a power. We need a new move of the Holy Spirit to come upon us and challenge us. We need more than just a revival. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our lives. God wants to see his children filled with holy boldness. How will you face the giants in your life? With purpose? With passion? Or will you be willing to accept whatever the enemy throws at you? You can choose to accept defeat by default. Uh-uh, I'm not gonna do that. There's no way I'm gonna do that. I've come too close to heaven, baby, for me to quit now. You can choose to raise, rise up with a new Holy Spirit passion that burns within your spirit and enables you to defeat the enemy, or you can choose to be defeated. Your choice is yours. Then and only then will God come to your aid. Here's number three. Be aware of the enemy's questions. That's a big one right there. Because one of the enemy's greatest weapons is to ask questions. Because every time he asks you a question, he puts you on the defense. Listen, I'm going to give you another word of advice. Quit having a conversation with the devil. You're not ever going to win. The devil is good about engaging you and I. But what about what you did? Remember what you said? You remember what happened to you when you were a little boy, a little girl? What about this? Remember when you lost that last job? Remember what happened to your finances? Remember last year when you went to the doctor, what they told you? You're not good enough. You come from a messed up family. Remember those three years you spent in jail? Remember that addiction you had in your life? You know that addiction you're dealing with right now? And you know what? He'll question you and you stand there and you go, oh my God, I'm all jacked up. Because he wants to defeat you. He will get you and get you to question you. And he puts you on a defensive posture to where you can't do anything. He will raise questions designed to neutralize your faith, your courage, and your passion. And as David moved close to the battle, his brothers came to him with questions. They questioned David's motive. They questioned David's passion. David had determined to fight the good fight. You see, your fight will be questioned and your passion is going to be tested. You can rest assured that's going to happen. James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brother and sister, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance finishes work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Let it happen, but stand firm on what God has told you to be and called you to be and to do. Don't give in and let the devil rob you of your purpose and defeat the devil. 1 Samuel seventeen twenty eight. At this point, David's down there. He's ready to go, and his brothers right away, his older brother right away got up and started to question him. So Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men... And Elias anger aroused against David, and he said, why do you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence and and your heart, for you have come down here to see battle. He said, David, what are you doing here? Where's the stupid little sheep of yours? This is big. This is the big boy stuff. What are you doing here? Where have you, what have you done with those little dumb sheep of yours? He said, you have been watching too many Marvel movies. This is not G.I. Joe here, baby. This is real. They began to question him, to make him doubt why he was there. David was trying to use, the devil was trying to use those brothers to neutralize David's determination. He was trying to neutralize David's faith and his action and his passion. You see, the truth is this, that David's life, David's faith, David's passion, his determination was an open rebuke to their lack of faith. Do you realize that when you stand on your faith and what God has told you and showed you to be and to do, he will, he, you know, it will stand as an open rebuke to people who have no faith. He will show them up for who they really are. Satan will always come asking questions. He did that in the Garden of Eve with with Eve. He questioned her about what God had said. And God will say to you, this is my way. This is my purpose in your life. This is my will in your life. This is what I want you to be and I want you to do. And just about the time, the devil is going to come and question you. And you may say, you know, that's great, hallelujah, I want to do that. And you may, you may just say, oh, I'm determined, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And just about the time you say that, somebody's going to come around you and say, are you sure? Did God really tell you that? I don't know if you can do that. It could be your own relatives to tell you that. Oh, they're the first ones to tell you that. Do you know those squirrels you have in your family? Did God really say that to you? Well, that's not the way we do that. We don't do that that way. Well, God doesn't do things our way. God's ways of before are before, above all of our ways. You see, that's how Satan operates. He questions. He'll question and he'll bring questions to neutralize you, to stop you. To challenge you. To keep you from moving ahead. Matter of fact Paul as he was training Timothy. Who was one of his disciples. And helping him. He tells him in the book of Titus. How to deal with people. That oppose the word of God. And he says in Titus 1.9. He must hold fast to the sure trustworthy word of God. As he was taught it. So that he may be able to both give stimulating instructions and encouragement in sound, wholesome doctrine and to refute and convict those who contradict and oppose it, showing the wayward of their error. He said, don't let people mess with you. Teach them the word of God. Teach them to hold firm to it, not to give into it. And Paul was saying, you'll have people that are going to question you and they're going to mock you. You will have people that are going to laugh and they're going to scorn at you. They're going to provoke you and jab you and seek to destroy your faith and your vision and your calling. They're going to use your past against you. They're going to throw everything they can in your face. And some people do it real subtle and real nice. Oh, I was just kidding. No, you weren't. Just stand firm in the word of God that He has given to you and what He has told you you could be. And don't give up. He is not saying stand firm on your own feet and on your own ideas and on your own methods or your own religious tradition. He didn't say do not know to stand on the firm on some system and organization. He didn't say stand firm on some secular institution. Just stand firm on the word of God and the power of the spirit of God. That's where our victory is going to be. So David finally says, in verse 29, he said, is there not a cause? The King James puts it that way. Is there not a cause? Let me ask you, church. Do we not have a cause? Did God not put you and I here on this earth for now for a reason? Is there not a reason that God put Ron Delgado here, put you here, every one of you in this this city, put you here in this church, give you the children you have, give you the job you have, that God didn't put you here just to breathe and take up time? He put you here for a purpose and that is for you to make known the glorious power, the blood of Jesus and the redeeming blood that God has through his son that others may come and see that and and, and accept Christ. David said, is there not a cause? You see, David used truth to confront their lack of faith and their lack of courage. And those who question your faith are more than likely those who will not take the risk to see God's purpose is done and confirmed and completed in your life. You see, what happens is they become convicted because of their own complacency and their lack of faith. And then what they do is they seek to attack those who are in the midst of the battle confronting the giants. Stand up to the giant of that bad report that you got. Stand up to the past sins of your life. Stand up to all of the junk they throw you and say, No, I am not gonna give in to that. Here's number four, defy the evidences completely. Defy the evidences completely. I didn't say to deny the evidences. I said to defy the evidences. You see, I don't deny the evidences or the facts. I I defy them. Defy That human rationale, that secular mindset, defy men's solution, defy when someone wants to remind you of your past, when someone wants to bring something else in your life that makes you feel disqualified. Look at David. What were the facts about David? What was the evidence against David? Um, Let me give them to you. He was too small. That was a fact. He was too young. That's a fact. He was too inexperienced. That's a fact. He was too unarmed. That's a fact. We can't deny that. David had to say, guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm guilty of the all of the above. I'm guilty to all those accusations. But David also said, and in spite of it, I defied in the name of Jesus. I defied. I come here by the power of the living God. In the natural, David didn't have a ghost of a chance. And that may be exactly where some of you are today. The devil has convinced you that you don't have a ghost of a chance to make it. Somehow you're here, but you have never experienced the true love of God. Something is holding you from really loving the Lord like you want to. Because somebody did something or said something or something you did in the past. The devil's got you questioning yourself. And God says, let it go. Let it go. Let me show you what I have for you. Stronger and more experienced men than David stood right around him. These are veteran soldiers armed to the hilt. And they offered a lot of evaluation, but they offered no assistance. And you have people who are willing to analyze your situation. They will tell you where you went wrong and what you ought to do. And by the, time, by the time they get through analyzing your situation, you'll be afflicted with what's called paralysis analysis. You have analyzed the situation so bad that you're paralyzed. And you become one of those zombie Christians that walk in and out of church and nothing ever changes from week to week, from month to month because the devil has you paralyzed because of the lies that he has put in your heart. Maybe through the, somebody else that has spoken something negative in you. Meanwhile, David is saying, where is that uncircumcised Philistine? Where is he? I want a piece of his big old hide. I want to do battle with him right now. You see, he defied the evidence with the confidence of God. David demonstrated a very important truth, and I want you to write this down. It is better to be courageous and unqualified than to be qualified without courage. And David said, in the natural, I'm not qualified, I admit it. I don't deny the evidences. I'm too young, I'm too small, I'm too inexperienced, I am too unarmed. But in the name of the Lord God, the host of the armies of Israel, this uncircumcised beast of a man is coming down today, right now, he's coming down. For David, God was still sitting on the throne. Because he realized this battle was not his, but this battle was God. And David answered all his questioners and his critics with the word of God. Is there not a cause? So let me ask you, what's the evidence against you? What, about, what, are, what are people saying about you? What are the things that people bring up when, they say, when your name is mentioned? What are the things in your past that the devil keeps throwing at you? Think about it. What's the evidence against you? What has neutralized you? What has robbed you of the joy of your salvation? And while you come to church and something inside of you does love God, You're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit of the Lord and that life that he has for you. Could it be past mistakes? Satan will remind you of your missing qualities. You're not qualified to do that. He'll remind you of all your deficiencies when you take a stand for God. But the God of David and the God of Joseph and the God of Moses is the God of today. And if God did it for those people in the Bible back then, God will do it today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no weapon set against us is going to prosper because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. I will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And the word of my testimony. And if God did it 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, he's going to do it right here. In 2021, don't deny the evidence, defy it. Here's the last one. Defeat the enemy totally. Defeat the enemy totally. Listen. Listen to me. When you're fighting this enemy, when you're fighting this devil, no halfway job. It's got to be total defeat. When David released that stone for his sling, it sailed through the air like a guided missile from the hand of God. It struck Goliath in his forehead and he fell to the ground with no pulse and no heartbeat. The dude was cold dead. I mean dead as a doornail. Big old boy. And David said, I'm gonna make sure this sucker is dead. So he went, he took that guy's sword, he pulled it out, and he cut his head off. I would have loved to have been there to see that. Yeah. And he picked up his head, and he showed him. And his eyes were still running, and his mouth, uh, and the blood was still dripping from his neck. You know, that sounds gross, doesn't it? It sounds gross, it is gross. But you know what? That's warfare. That's, listen church, That's warfare, all right? Spiritual warfare is not nice. This is not the NFL playoffs or the SEC playoffs. Warfare is not beautiful. We're fighting a real devil. And in spiritual warfare, second place doesn't count. It ain't going to make it. We're going for broke. We're going to make it. We're going to be number one. We're going to take him down. To lose is to be in spiritual bondage. Our opponent is no temporary opponent. He is forever present. And if you and I live 5, 15, 20, 30 years from now, you're still going to be fighting. Them. But the more you learn to fight them, the more easy it's going to be for you to win. And the more victories you have, the more you say, come on, devil, bring it on. I know, what I, I know what I have to get you down. I know what I need. God has equipped me with the armor of God, with the word of God, with the power of the spirit of God. He's to give me all the equipment I need. Bring it on, devil. You see, you can never give up. Never give up. There's no ret- ret- retreat with him. And just like Goliath fell, the Goliaths in your life are going to fall. And I believe God is speaking to you t- this morning. So be bold. Because spiritual success is in God. Totally in God. I want us to bow our heads. I want you to think for a moment. I want this to be a solemn moment because I believe the spirit of the Lord is speaking to people here this morning because he's a liar. He is a liar. He's out to get you and I to kill God's plan in our lives as individuals to kill God's plan for your family, to kill God's plan for your marriage, for your children, for your finances, for your health. Oh yeah, he is out to get you to come to church like a zombie, but let there be no transformation of God in your life. Tell people you're a Christian, but nothing has changed because the devil is holding you hostage Maybe to the past. And God is telling you this morning, I got a plan, but I can't until you surrender to me. Until you come to the reality and you trust me and get a clear mind of what I want for you and lean on that and trust me to put compassion and the passion of the Holy Ghost inside of you. And the determination that you're going to make it defy the evidences. Don't deny them, defy them. Yes, that's true, that's true, that's true. Put in the name of Jesus. I'm coming out of that. And if you're here this morning and you have yet to really turn your life over to Jesus, you believe in him, you know he's real, you come, but you yet have turned your life over to him because you're afraid. You're afraid that you're going to fail him. You're afraid of what has happened in your life. Maybe because of what's happening in your life right now. But you know what he says? Come the way you are. I know what you're doing. I know that. But I love you anyway. Let me help you. Give me your life. Trust me. Man is to you, trust a pastor. I'm not asking you to trust a vibrant church or a denomination. They didn't die for you, I did. Trust me, I'll show you that I can make something beautiful out of your life. And if that's your desire this morning, right where you're sitting, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender it all, all to Jesus, I surrender. I want you to lift your hands, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. Hallelujah. I want everybody to pray with me together. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give to you the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know it all. I I put it at the altar, and I ask you to come into my life. Fill me with your sweet spirit. Give me Holy Ghost passion. Cleanse me of all my transgressions and make me whole. And I promise you that from today forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to commit my life to you, and you're going to do something beautiful in my life. I thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, still bowed, maybe you are a believer, but you're struggling. You're struggling you're struggling with something that you can't seem to have a breakthrough. Well, you know what? Your breakthrough is coming right now. This is the morning of your breakthrough. Oh, I feel it in my spirit. This is the morning that God is going to bring a breakthrough in your life. He, He brought you here. He's setting you up for a breakthrough in your life. And if you need a breakthrough in your life, If if you're stuck somewhere and you can't go any further because the devil is lying to you, you fell, fell for a lie, or maybe you committed a sin or something and the devil's got you caught, you tell him, devil, you're a liar. I'm getting out of here. He is my healer, my redeemer. He cleanses me of my sins and of my unrighteousness. Whatever it is, I want you to raise your hands and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm a Christian, but I'm dealing with something in my life. God bless you. God bless, your hands are going up below the building. Father, I pray for these, your children. I love that word, Lord. Because in the three books of John, the little Johns, you use that phrase, my little children. And Father, we are your little children. We are in desperate need of you, Jesus. I pray that you minister to every person that raised your hand those people, your children that are fighting and battling the good fight of faith and seem to be defeated. Let them know that they're going to overcome by the word of God and the blood of Jesus. And Satan, I serve you notice right now on the authority of God's word that you're a liar, that you're defeated. I remind you of the cross of Calvary. You were defeated at the cross. You have no authority. You're a lion with no teeth. All you do is roar and make a lot of noise and we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We claim victory in our lives in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. 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 Let me tell you we love you guys. I love you, Miriam loves you, we all love you. God bless you.